Well, this morning, we, I have the honor to, to continue the sermon series through the book of Galatians. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up there. I believe that uh, the verses are going to be on the screen. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, and I'll read verses 16 through um, 18. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. Some of you are thinking he's just like reading my heart's story right there with all of those sins and issues. Uh, Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He says, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step uh, with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you. This message, I believe, is straight from you to, to us. And so, Lord, I pray that your Spirit will, will preach the best sermon to our hearts and our souls this morning. I hope that you will find us receptive, open minds, open ears, open hearts, Lord, to receive the, the word you have for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. All right, so we read the verses there. Uh, The first thing I think we should look at is, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? We talk about being Spirit-filled, being Spirit-led, but what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? I want to give you, I think, some real practical tips. You know, I believe that the Holy Spirit is, is alive and active in our hearts and in our souls. Can you believe that God loves us so much that He put His Spirit to dwell in our hearts? Isn't that, that seems a little crazy, that God has entrusted his spirit to dwell inside of our hearts. And so that's, that's the first thing, that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, lives in you. And I've got to be clear, he lives in you if you are a follower of Jesus. If you're here this morning and you're not sure if you've ever asked Jesus to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins and, and for Jesus to become both the Lord and Savior of your life, if you're not sure, then I need to tell you, the Spirit of God is not dwelling in your heart, in your life. But if you are a born-again believer and you are walking with the Lord, then, yes, the Spirit of God lives in you. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. I look around. Some of our temples are bigger and prettier than other temples. All right, I'll just say that. Romans 8.9 says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit." If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So how do you know if the Spirit of Christ lives in you? Well, I'm glad you asked this morning. First is, you are sensitive to the movement of the Spirit in your life. How can you be sensitive to the movement of the Spirit in your life? Well, number one, has the Spirit ever led you to speak to somebody, some individual, Has the Spirit ever prompted you, led you to say, you need to go talk to that person? This happens often. Uh, In in my community, we have a store called Walmart. You guys ever heard of Walmart? It's a terrible place. 
It's terrible. You can get everything you need there at low, low prices. There's no customer service. People go there in their pajamas, and, and you just see all kinds of things that you don't want to see at Walmart, okay? It, it needs to be like uh, children, you know, need to like walk with like visors on. It's, Walmart's just a kind of a crazy place. There's been many a times that I've been grocery shopping at the grocery store, and, uh, and I feel this, this prompting in my spirit of, you need to go down here. And I'll see an individual, and, and I've never really met a stranger, if you can't tell, and, um, and I'll just feel led to give a word of encouragement. Or I'll see a woman holding a crying baby, and I'll say, ma'am, I have been there before, just to give a word of encouragement. We don't know when somebody may need that word of encouragement, and the Holy Spirit may lead you to be that light into somebody's life. It could be as simple as that. It could also be that somebody needs the gospel. They need a witness of how to find Jesus Christ. And sometimes the Lord may prompt you and lead you to have that conversation. Uh, a, a word that we use often at our church is, when the Holy Spirit is guiding you and leading you, just put your yes on the table. When God calls you or asks you to do something, there's really only one answer, y'all. And it's yes. Yes, Lord. That's it. Uh, I've been told that here in Addis, uh, it's very important to have nice shoes. Did I get bad information or is that true? Do you guys like shoes? Because I love shoes. I may move here because I finally found my people. You like shoes, I like shoes. We can get along, all right? So <clears throat> about a year ago, I was in a city about an hour away meeting with another pastor. I was at a restaurant called the Cracker Barrel. All right, if you've ever been to the United States of America, if you ever plan to go, call me. I'll take you to the Cracker Barrel. All right, it's a good southern, uh, southern place, southern food, biscuits and gravy, ham, I mean, pancakes. You tracking with me? It's better than your, is it called Ajira? All right, think, is that what it's called? It's, all right, so think of your Ajira, except thicker and with sugar and syrup all over it. Mmm, all right. So I was at this restaurant with another pastor, and we were just kind of sharing our hearts. Did you know being a pastor is kind of tough? Being a shepherd and, and leading God's children could be a very difficult task for, for, for people. Pastor Mike and Pastor Steve and some of your elders, they, they can kind of testify to that. It's not always easy. And so I was at this restaurant and just had a great conversation with the pastor, and, and it was time to go. And I was an hour away from home. Well, I didn't have anything on my calendar for two hours. So I thought, you know, instead of me just going back to work, I'm going to just go shopping. And so I went to this place called Hobby Lobby. Now, Hobby Lobby is it's this really big store. Men, you, you hear Hobby Lobby, you're thinking, all right, I'm going to do some woodworking. I'm going to do some good things. Men don't shop at Hobby Lobby. It's women only. Right? And all they have is this, this stuff that like, you can put on walls and decorations. It's terrible. Okay? It's a waste of money. All right? if, you've, if you know what I'm talking about, Hobby Lobby, it's, it's just a trap. So I was going to go to Hobby Lobby. And I thought I had an hour. I have a, a, a large staff at our church, a bunch of women uh, who work on our staff at church. And I thought, I'm going to be a good pastor and I'm going to buy them a gift. So I drove over to Hobby Lobby, and there was this large strip mall, probably like the one that's being built right behind us, and it's keeping me awake at night. And, um, 
And I pulled into Hobby Lobby, and, and I just felt this stirring in my heart, don't go to Hobby Lobby. Well, I said, Lord, I don't need you to tell me twice. I don't even like Hobby Lobby. And I said, well, where do I go, Lord? And he said, I want you to go to this shoe store. And I said, How about, amen, praise God, I'll go buy me some shoes. So I walked into this shoe store. It's called Rack Room Shoes, and they have all kinds of shoes. And, and I started walking around, and I walked in, and there was just one person in there. It was the manager of the store. And she says, welcome to Rack Room Shoes. How can I help you? And I said, I'm, I'm just looking. Leave me alone. I didn't say leave me alone, but just don't bother me. So I'm looking around, and it's just me and her. And what does she do? She comes up, and she says, hey, how's it going today? And I'm just sitting here thinking, I just want to look at some shoes. Leave me alone. And she starts talking to me. And I'm sitting here thinking, I just want to be left alone. I'm just in my own little world. And then the Holy Spirit, it was as if God were, were, was in that, that store. And he said, hey, dummy, how about you talk to her? I brought you here for her. And I said, yes, Lord. And so I began to talk to her, and really it was more listening to her. You know what I'm saying? You know those conversations? And I'm just listening. And she's telling me about her whole family. I, I can tell you, I mean, like for generations, I know all about her family. She just kept pouring it out. And then I started asking a few questions, and, and, and you could feel her brokenness. Have you ever been around somebody where you just feel their brokenness? You just feel the pain in their life? And I could feel that. And I began to ask her spiritual questions. You know, how long have you been here in the city? Do you have a church home? No, not really. Um, well, are you, are you a Christian? Are you a believer? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. You see, back home in Tennessee, everybody's a Christian, at least in, in their mind. Because, every, you know, if you live within two miles of a church, I'm a Christian. You know why they think that? Well, I'm not Jewish. I'm not a Muslim. I'm not Hindu. I, I, I guess I believe that there's a God. So, yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, they don't know Jesus at all. And so I began to have this conversation. I began to share the gospel. And, and in this middle of this store, uh, for 20 minutes, I get to share the gospel with this woman. And she's just weeping. And she tells me that she is, in fact, saved. I still am unsure about, about that. And, and I asked her the question. I said, ma'am, if you were to die today, and you were standing before Jesus in heaven... And he says, ma'am, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? And she, she looked at me for a minute. She said, well, I would just tell him that I was a good person. I said, I bet it, from what I've heard, it sounds like you are a really good person. But can I tell you that none of us are good enough to enter heaven on our own? The only way that we can enter heaven is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I ask you again, ma'am, has there ever been a time that you asked Jesus to come into your life and save you from your sins? And she says, yes, I was young. I've been living far away. And I said, you know what? I, I cast the seed. I can't save anybody. Only the Lord can. And, uh, and so I said, ma'am, I'm going to go. I've really enjoyed our time. Can I pray for you? And she says, yes. I'm in the middle of the store. And for 20 minutes, not a single person comes in to go shopping. I feel like the Holy Spirit or God set an angel out there and just kept everybody out. And I prayed over this lady. I, I put my hand on her shoulder and I prayed. And, and, and she was just weeping, you know, just shaking when I was praying for her. And, and so uh, I hugged her. I left. And as I got in my car, I was ready to go back to the office. And I thought, you know, that was great. And then the Holy Spirit said, now you can go to Hobby Lobby. 
And you know what I did? I went into Hobby Lobby. I bought a Bible and a devotional guide, and I took it back to that lady at Rack Room Shoes. And that was over a year ago, and, uh, and she lives an hour from me. I haven't been back in that direction, but I would ask you in your spirit today, to, you don't know her name, and I honestly can't remember her name, I'm embarrassed to say, but could you right now where you are, as, you're, as I'm still speaking, will you pray for that woman and pray that she has given her heart to the Lord, and if not yet, one day soon. And so to me, that is a great story of the Holy Spirit leading you in a very practical way. But the only way that you could sense the movement of the Holy Spirit and the guiding of the Holy Spirit is if you're sensitive and you're aware. There's a lot of distractions in this world, aren't there? A lot of things that can distract us from the movement and the the, the voice of the Holy Spirit, and we've got to be in tune with them. Another question in your outline is, has the Holy Spirit opened your eyes to the truths of Scripture? You know, a lot of lost people in the world, uh, especially at universities, they will teach the Bible as literature. And it's interesting, they could read the same words that we can, and they never understand or see the truth. You know why? Because we, in our own accord, cannot find the truth. It has, our eyes have to be opened by the Holy Spirit. When was the last time you've been in the Word and the Holy Spirit has opened up your eyes? And then has the Holy Spirit ever convicted you of sin lately? Anybody kind of hate it when the Holy Spirit convicts you? You're like, hey man, like, that doesn't feel good. I don't like the conviction. I used to hate that. Now when the Holy Spirit convicts me, I, I, I like wipe my brow and I'm like, whoo! He hasn't left me yet. I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit is convicting me of my, of my sin and of my, of my guilt and, my, and living in the flesh. I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit is here because it's confirmation that God is still in me. And I'm thankful for it. When you don't feel conviction over the sin in your life, uh, hey, you should be worried. You should be concerned. All right? And then also, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit as we move along? That you are obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that if you say no to God, if you're disobedient to the Lord, that you could quench, you could grieve the Holy Spirit? You can grieve the Holy Spirit. That's amazing to me that we, the created beings, can grieve the Holy Spirit. But it tells us very clearly in Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of ways that we could quench the Holy Spirit. Disobedience is one. Also, um, uh, gossip, a lot of these uh, uh, fruits of the flesh that we're going to talk about, those are all ways that we could quench the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you something? A life without the Holy Spirit is a wasted life. A life where you're living in your own strength and not living in the strength and the leading of the Holy Spirit, you're wasting it. You're selling yourself completely short. A life led by the Holy Spirit. The greatest compliment that we can probably receive as Christians is, man, that person is full of the Holy Spirit. It's probably one of the greatest compliments that we can experience. All right, so let's move along. We talked about what does it mean to walk in the Holy Spirit. Now let's get to the fun part of these verses today. The fruits of the flesh versus the fruits of the Spirit. Number two in your outline is the fruits of the flesh grow naturally like a weed. One thing I've noticed is that the, the prettiest, greenest grass in all of Addis exists in two places. This church and the Canada Embassy. It's the only places that I've really seen green grass. I've seen weeds sprout up. Isn't it amazing how easy weeds can sprout up? They can sprout up in, in a small crack in a concrete where cars are going by and people walking, and just little weeds will shoot up. 
These fruits of the flesh, these works of the flesh that we're going to look at just now, they come up just like that. I promise you, you don't have to work to have some of these fruits of the flesh come up. It's amazing how they come up naturally. All right, so there's kind of four categories that you could break these down into. Many scholars talk about this. The first category is sensual sins, sensual or sexual sins. All right, I'm preaching out of the NIV this morning. Some of you have different translations. Um, I'm just happy that you have a Bible and you're reading it, okay? Um, the sexual sins that are listed are sexual morality, impurity, debauchery. Debauchery, I think in the uh, King James Version and maybe some other translation, is called, uh, um, oh, how do you pronounce that word? Uh, licentiousness. Licentiousness. Isn't that a good word? Don't, you immediately just thought, you know, I didn't think that guy was smart, but now I think he's smart. Licentiousness, debauchery. The idea with licentiousness and debauchery is this. You're always on the go. You're always ready to sin. There's never a party that you're not ready to show up for. There's never a drink that you're not ready to have. There's never something to smoke that you're not ready to participate in. Licentiousness is the attitude of, hey, if there's an opportunity, I'm down to clown. I'm down to do it. I don't hate sin. I want to be a part of it. I want to be the life of the party. And if that's your mindset, folks, that is not a fruit of the Spirit. That's not from God. That is straight from hell, from Satan himself. These sensual sins. A person who is willing to sin anytime and any place. And these sensual sins, by the way, <clears throat> I, I've looked at this many times and I have yet to be proven wrong. I would love to be proven wrong here in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. The only sin that I've read in the scripture where it says to flee is from sexual sin. Sexual immorality is the only sin in the Bible that I've heard where it says you need to flee from it. Paul says, run away from it. Don't mess with it. The sensual, sexual sins, man, they are dangerous. They, they wound you deeply. The second category of, uh, of these uh, acts of the flesh, religious sins. There's two of them, idolatry and witchcraft. Over the last couple of uh, months, back, uh, back in October of last year, uh, I did a big uh, a sermon on witchcraft and, and the works of demonic forces. Can I tell you, maybe I don't need to tell you, but I've got to tell the church where, where I pastor, demonic forces are real. If we believe that there is a spirit of God, you have to believe that there are demonic forces at work all around us. The Bible tells us very clearly that the, the, the powers that we could see, is that, those aren't our real enemy. It's what we can't see. There's a spiritual realm going all on all around us. Idolatry and witchcraft. Anything that we raise up to the level of our relationship with Jesus starts bordering on idolatry. Even good things, our relationship with our wife, our relationship with our children, serving God in church can become an idol. Many pastors make ministry a mistress. Ministry and church work becomes the main thing. And they do it all the time without even acknowledging God. We just go through the motions, all right? When it comes to witchcraft and, um, and, uh, and, and demonic spirits, for a long time, <clears throat> from I'm, I'm preaching through the book of Acts, and Paul was doing works in Ephesus and, and, and places like that where witchcraft was a big deal. You want to know these, these dark arts, this witchcraft? A big part of witchcraft is drug use. It's drug use. 
I can't tell you how many times, I'm sure, Pastor, you don't have to deal with this because, you know, Addis is a God, God-filled place and people don't sin here. Um, but where I come from, addiction to drugs and alcohol, it's real. And it's tearing families down every day. And people will say, Pastor, I need help. I need you to help me save my family. And I say, number one, I can't do it. But until you get that evilness, those drugs and that alcohol out of your house, don't expect God to save your marriage or to save you. It's, it, it can't happen. You can't continue to have uh, 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 drug, drug usage and alcoholism in your family and expect to get right. You can't have both ways. I believe that drug use can easily be a portal to the demonic world to, to come in and have possession of you. You've got to be cautious. You've got to completely rid yourself of drug use, alcoholism. Be careful. Those, those are the devil's tools. Those are not from the Lord. The third group of sin, the third category in this group is people sins. Now, if there's a, 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 a category here that I'm really good at, it's the people sins. The sins of hatred, the sins of discord, jealousy, Fits of rage, I don't know how you drive around here and not have a fit of rage. God bless you. Like, I assume I don't need to pray for patience with you guys. God just gives it to you here. All right? Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. These are people sins, sins against other people. Uh, I've been on this real big kick. God has been opening my eyes, particularly to the sins of discord. The sins of discord, you don't hear a lot of talk about uh, uh, sowing seeds of discord. But let me tell you about sowing seeds of discord. It, it's a mixture of sins. It's kind of like it's a little gossip. It's a little jealousy. It's a little envy. It's, it's a lot of selfish ambition. You're sowing these seeds of discord, right? Uh, we live in a farming community, and, and they, we have big tractors where they sow the seeds. Well, you remember the times where you would have to manually sow the seed? You'd have to go get that seed from somewhere, right? You would have to go buy it or trade for it, whatever. A person who sows seeds of discord, I could tell you where they got those seeds, from the barn of the devil. Sowing seeds of discord is Satan's work. And when you gossip about somebody, when you tear somebody down, and it happens subtly, you're not going to stand up and say, hey, Pastor Mike, he thinks he's hilarious, but he's not. We like Pastor Steve better, right? Or, or, or you might say, well, this elder has favorites, and, or you know, they're ignoring this. Like, listen, hey, can I just tell you, don't be a mouthpiece for Satan. Scripture it gives us a roadmap. When we have disagreements with our brothers and sisters, Jesus tells us how to handle that in Matthew 18. But many of us just subtly sow these seeds of discord. And when you sow these seeds of discord and then they begin to harvest, here's what the harvest is. And I promise you're not going to like it. Bitterness, anger, um, uh, dis, uh, uh, distrust, right? And, and, there, and there's many more. And you think bitterness, hatred, anger, those are bad. But I've been saying this for a long time. Being in a relationship or in a, a church where there's distrust, that's terrible. In America, I don't know if this translates here, this phrase, but uh, walking on eggshells. Do you know what I'm talking about? When you're, when you're around somebody and you just don't feel like you could be 100% honest with people. And you're like, I'm afraid that whatever I say or do is going to be used against me. 
And so you, you don't feel like you could be open and honest and transparent. That's what having a, uh, a, 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 a group or an organization or a church of distrust is terrible. And it's all because of discord. The last, and I can go on and on about jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. Uh, I want to tell you about selfish ambition, then I'll move on. Selfish ambition is almost always sinful. I was talking to a young man yesterday, and, and I'm like, listen, in ministry, there's no such thing as climbing the ladder. There is no ladder to climb. If you're in ministry and in God's world, you want to go higher, you got to get lower. What did he, re- he do? I think it was a Dallas Willard who said this. He redefined what great is by, by using a towel and a basin when he knelt down to wash the disciples' feet. In the, in the body of Christ, being great is not about having titles. It's not about being recognized. As a matter of fact, I think if there's going to be a level of greatness and we, we see people who are great in heaven, it's going to be people whose names we never knew and faces we've never, we've never seen. It's not going to be some preachers. It's not going to be some authors who have uh, uh, bestseller books. It's going to be a woman who is a prayer warrior and hundreds and thousands of people got saved through her prayers. It's going to be people like that. Selfish ambition is always wrong. The last category of sins is social sins, as drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I think that those are pretty self-explanatory, you guys. Uh, the Bible says, hey, do not give into too much wine. Do not get drunk with wine, okay? So, so it's a personal preference uh, for you. Uh, I come from a background, from a family history, where alcoholism is a major deal. My dad is now 65. For, for probably about 30 years in his life, he was addicted to hard drugs, crack cocaine, meth, many others. He was an alcoholic, eventually led into homelessness. So if I know that that's my dad, can I, before I finish that thought, can I just tell you by the grace of God, he has been clean for the last three years. He went back to school. He has a certificate in addiction recovery, and now he works with drug addicts each and every day to help them come out. Is that not a story of redemption? Praise God. Praise God. I, I love to tell my dad. I, I'm not as close to my dad as a son and a father should be, and, and he doesn't get to be the grandfather to my kids that he wishes he could be. That sin comes with consequences. But praise God, I, I love to tell the story of my father of perseverance and endurance and God's faithfulness. He never gave up. He never gave up. And so, so would it be smart for me? Say I wasn't a pastor. I'm just a normal dude. Would it be smart for me to... To, to have, have a drink, to, to give in to any drugs or alcohol? No, it wouldn't. If I sat and watched somebody near and dear to me struggle with it and destroy his life, why should I even play with it? I, you shouldn't. I don't touch it. That's a personal preference. I'm not telling you how to live your life. The Bible gives us liberty, but it's not a license either to sin. All right? So let's move on to the fruits of the Spirit. These are fun. These are great. I love them. The fruits of the Spirit can only grow if we abide or remain in Christ. We can't produce our own fruit. That word abide is straight out of what? John what? John 15. John 15. And uh, the, 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 the concept with the, the fruits of the Spirit, it's the qualities are a unified group. Think like a bunch of grapes. Y'all like grapes? I love grapes. The fruits of the Spirit is like a, a heap of grapes. It's not like a separate apple here or separate orange here or separate banana here it's a bundle of grapes as a christian we're supposed to have them all 
Now, when you read the fruits of the Spirit, and you're like, ooh, I don't have so many of those. Or maybe I'm good here, but I definitely have work to do in this area. Do you guys have the song, the fruit of the Spirit song here in Addis? Do you guys know the fruits of the Spirit song? Uh, if you know it, you're going to sing it with me. All right, so here, this is a big song. It goes, uh, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You got it? You ready? One, two, three. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All right. And then if you're doing it with kids, you can go like, the fruit of the Spirit's not a watermelon. The fruit of the Spirit's not a watermelon, but the fruits are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So there you go. All of you can go now lead Vacation Bible School. I think you have 20 of them this summer. Um, so I love the fruits of the Spirit. It's, it's not a coincidence, it's not by accident that the first of the fr- fruit of the fruit that's mentioned is love. Because without love, good luck with any of the other ones. Jesus made it abundantly clear. They will know that you are my disciples by what? By your love. Love is vital. Love undergirds it all. All right, so I'm not going to go through uh, the, the fruits of the Spirit Um, But you see what they are, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Oh, I could preach on those, but I'm not. All right, you get it. Fourth and final point this morning is, if there's no root, there's no fruit. I got that from my pastor, one of my spiritual mentors, Pastor Chuck. He said, if there's no root, there's no fruit. And I heard this story probably 15, 20 years ago. <clears throat> and uh, the, the story goes that this man had an orange tree in his backyard. And he said, you know what? I'm done with oranges. I've had so many oranges. If I see another orange, I'm just, I'm just tired of them. I want an apple tree. So you know what this man did? He went out there and he pulled every single orange off of that tree. And he said, next spring... It's going to be an apple tree. I can tell some of you are scientists. You know that's not how it works. So what happens in the next spring? What started coming up? Oranges. You guys are brilliant. I mean, brilliant. Brilliant. Anyways, oranges came up. Because we understand the basic fundamental principles of vegetation. That if you want to no longer have one fruit and you want to have another fruit, you've got to completely uproot that one tree. You've got to pull up all the roots. You've got to dig down. You can't just cut it off. You've got to dig down and uproot everything. And then you've got to plant a whole new tree. And the bad part is you may not bear the type of fruit that you want for a couple of years. It may take time. Folks, That's a picture of our spiritual life today. Many of us say, well, I don't like this area of my life, and so I'm going to, you know, take care of this, I'm going to take care of this, and and I'm just going to produce good works. I'm going to do it on my own. Folks, the Bible says that's impossible. In order to produce the fruits of the Spirit, you've got to uproot your old self, the self of the flesh, And you've got to become, what the Bible says, a new creation. Only God can give you a new heart. And once you become a new creation, then, ladies and gentlemen, 
you can have the fruits of the Spirit that can come only from God. I feel like we rushed through it this morning. I appreciate you listening fast. I I can go on and on. But we get to close the service this morning with a a very special opportunity of communion. And I'm going to pray in just a second. And Pastor Steve's going to come up and and, and take over and lead us through this. But before we do, I want us to to prepare our hearts. Uh, If you have your outline, you see the conclusion. And the conclusion is, it says, My struggle with blank can be overcome by a greater focus on blank. So in that first blank, I would like to ask you, my struggle with what fruit of the flesh? What work of the flesh am I struggling with? Is it sexual immorality? Is it impurity? Is it debauchery? Is it idolatry? Is it witchcraft? Is it hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition? Am I causing dissensions in my family, and my friendship? Am I causing factions? Is there envy? Am I prone to drunkenness, to sexual promiscuity? What is your struggle with? What's your fruit of the flesh that seems to continue to come out? And then in the second blank, it can be overcome by a greater, greater focus on which fruit of the Spirit. Because I tell you, it's there. If we focus more on the fruits of the Spirit and, 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 and growing those in our life, the Holy Spirit growing those in our life, I promise you there won't be a lot of room for the works of the flesh or the fruits of the flesh. So as you're contemplating that, you're processing that this morning, it's a great way for us to enter into a time of reflection. The Bible tells us that we should all examine ourselves before we come to the Lord's table, before we take communion. The Bible says, examine yourself. And if you know that you have a sin against you or your brother, you don't need to take it right now. You need to deal with the sin in your own heart. He gives a stark warning. He says, if you take communion, if you take the Lord's Supper, and you know that you're in sin, and by the way, I'm not talking about just like, Losing your coal on the road, you know, you just kind of lost it for a minute. I'm talking about really living and just constantly giving in to the temptation. Okay, I'm not talking about one-off here or struggle here, but I'm talking about where your life would kind of be characterized by maybe some of these uh, works of the flesh. He says, if you examine yourself and you find that you are being characterized or controlled by the works of the flesh and you still take the Lord's Supper, you're bringing judgment upon yourself. You're bringing judgment upon yourself. And so can I, as, as, can, can I say that we're friends now? Is that okay? I'm going to say that I now have hundreds of friends in Ethiopia. I don't care if you call me back. Um, but just as your friend, I want to tell you, before we take communion together, we, we need to have an honest assessment and an honest conversation with Jesus Christ. Can we do that this morning? Can we close our eyes and go to the Lord in prayer? Let's have a moment of silence. I don't want to interrupt your prayer. We're going to have just a moment of silence, and then I'm going to pray, and then Pastor Steve's going to come up. So let's close, close our eyes and bow our head and ask the Holy Spirit to open up our eyes and examine our heart. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. <clears throat> 
I thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our souls already. But Father, I thank you that the Holy Spirit's not done working. And so Father, right now, as we are preparing ourselves to take communion and the Lord's Supper, I, I ask you, Lord, that you will reveal the areas of weakness in our own heart. We reveal the areas where the works of the flesh really have a stronghold on us. Truth be told, we probably already know it. We, we may have blind spots, but we're probably aware of our, of our areas of weakness. And so, Lord, I pray that we will no longer have pride. We will no longer try to fix ourselves, but we will come to you and say, Lord, I can't do it anymore. This has been controlling me for too long, and I just surrender. Lord, I need your help. I want my life to be characterized by the fruits of the Spirit, Lord. I want people to, to look upon me and know that I am a follower. I'm a disciple of Christ. But Lord, a disciple of Christ would not be looked upon and characterized by a life of sin. And so, Lord, I pray that you find a group of people, a group of your children here in this beautiful body who are willing to be obedient to the Holy Spirit, who are willing to say, yes, Lord, I'll do whatever it takes for you to mold me and shake me into the image of Jesus. So, Lord, we continue to dedicate this worship service and this time of communion to you. It's for your glory. Have your way in our hearts, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen.